We're in a marriage series. Yes. Marriage series. And then they come with that celebration, man. You, John was like, let me get this date. So was I. I was ready. Glad that I'm not in March. No. No, no, no. no. August 30th. We're, we're 11 years. May 8th was the day that I proposed. Listen, I got these days. You know that little app that we have on our phone? Boom. Samsung Galaxy Note S. Got to have those. But what's important with a date if you don't remember when conflict comes in our lives? I got this little trash can. Chris is awesome. Give Chris a round of applause. I didn't think you had. Look at this. This is a great trash can. I wanted one that Oscar the Grouch has, you know, one that looks dirty. Yeah, because trash is dirty. And so is sin. We're going to be speaking about that. First of all, I want to, um, I want to um, thank Pastor Gus and Pastor Edwin for um, their preaching respective. Pastor Edwin is coming back from Canada, and Pastor Gus is preaching in another location. Um, but we have three pastors here, right? Okay, so this is what we're going to do today. We're going to be talking about taking out the trash. It's the fifth of a series, and all this information, all this, this series and this book is from Mark Driscoll. I want to say that from the jump. This is, we got this information, and I use other books too and other things that I'm going to get into in a little while, and I just want to attribute that to other things. Nobody's original. Just Jesus. Amen? Who takes out the trash in your house? Who takes out the trash? You know, I, I said when I was, when I was recording this, because I practiced the sermon. I hate doing that. But I practiced the sermon and just rehearsing and just getting my notes all together. I said Monday and Thursday, but that's not true. The trash comes on Tuesday and Friday. Monday is when I take it down. And there's all kinds of trash. There's the one that's in the bathroom, right, that you got to put gloves on. There's the recycling. Yeah, come on. Some of us own houses and know that, you know, you better, you better do that right. And it comes at certain, so like the trash, there's sin in our life. That you got to like categorize it. How do we do that? How do we resolve them? And let's talk about taking out the trash. There's a trash can there. But it's talking about how to resolve conflict. And I'm going to be speaking to three people here because everyone's not married. Whoever's married, raise your hand. We're going to get the brunt of it. But the single, but there's everyone who's in a relationship in some form or fashion with a friend. Well, this we're going to be speaking to you too. Because this, what are we, we're going to be talking about is how do we resolve conflict. Who likes to resolve conflict? Who likes conflict? I don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. In my nature, uh, you like conflict? Cool. All right, so good, good. Yeah, some of us like to engage in that, in that back and forth. I'm, uh, my tendency is not to do that. And I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to. There's two chairs behind me. I don't know if you guys were, were able to see that. Thank you, Robert, for mentioning that, that cord. But I'm going to have this, um, this lavalier on. And later on, me and my wife are going to discuss some stuff. Be nice. <laughs> Thank you, Rosalind. The question is not if we're going to fight. It's if we're going to fight fair. And it's just a matter of when. When I remember, man, right, right. It was it was August 30th, 2008, and we, we you know, we got we got we got married and stuff like that. And it was a beautiful wedding. You know, I had pink. She had pink. We had pink on. It was pink and white, right, Justin? 
It was great. We got married upstairs. She took about eight hours to come down. Everybody was sweating. It was so hot. I don't know who, who, who was here when we were upstairs, right? It was so hot in the summertime, and it was so hot. And Shelly took so long because her mother, I think, said, her mother said, I think your mother thought that if she waited and wasted time making the dress that you wouldn't marry me. A friend of mine came to me, right? His name is Mike Kimber, and he said, you know what? She just left in a cab. It was crazy that day. But I'm glad, I'm glad that, and I want to say this, and all of you are going to concur with me. I married up. Right? I married up. I don't want to say what she married, but we'll leave that. In Jesus, I'm perfect. But some, yeah, there's some married couples that say they don't fight, and that's not true, man. It's not true. Some married couples, who, who is a married couple? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if that's you, don't even have to raise your hand. This is not for you then. This is not for you because there's going to be a tough, a tussle. The married couples that do fight, and that fight, you know, I'm talking about some, there's some rumble, tumble, tussles. It gets real. I want you to hold hands. Go to, your, go to your wife. Yeah, if you're not with your wife, I want you to go to your wife. Symbolically, we're holding hands, babe. Symbolically, we're holding hands. I want you to hold your hand. Because I'm going to speak about... Um, I'm, I'm a person that likes to bring the bad news first, and then I'll bring the good news. Who likes to receive bad news first or good news? Good news, bad news. Okay, so... Right. I'm going to bring the bad news first, and I'm going to bring, according to, um, to a researcher, John Gottman, there's four things... There's four attributes or four things that he gauges. And he's done this, and according to him, at a 91% clip, if you practice these, if these are prevalent in your life and your relationship, I'm going to speak to the married couples now, then he uses an apocalyptic term, which they call the four horsemen. If these are prevalent in your relationship, then you're headed down that road of, I'm going to curse now, so you might want to edit this, Divorce. We don't like to say that word in this church. We don't like to use that word. We use every recourse that Jesus has not to do that. They came to Jesus and they, they almost forced him. They forced him to, 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 to give people cards of divorce. Forced him. Jesus said, you can forgive anything. I don't want to say the other curse word. We don't like to say that word in here either. But. The first one I want to speak about and that, why I say I want you to hold your hands is because it, 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 I have some of these in my life, first of all, I want to say. I'm not unscathed from this. This is, this, is, this is something, but when I seen this, I was like, wow, I need to counterattack this. The first one is criticism. You're fighting as a foe. You shame your spouse. Criticism. Oh, and by the way, if you want to get divorced, I want you to do this. Don't criticize your husband by himself. Wait till he's around other men. Yeah. Then you do it. Then you say, man, you know, you do this. Or tell him this. You should be like, like, like Barbara's husband, Bob. He knows what he's doing. That's a great way. That's awesome. That'll send you down that road. Criticism. Shaming your spouse. I've been in relationships where they did that to me. Not married, but relationships where they did that to me, and it didn't feel good. I didn't know Christ, though, but that felt like fetal position when they criticize you like that. It's almost like emasculating your man. 
when you do that. Emasculation, making almost almost it, what it means, it means taking your manhood. So I'm speaking to the women now. Speaking to the women now. Criticize. And I, and I say I'm speaking to the women. Men do this too. But according to, and I'm going to put this on John Gottman. So you have any beef, you go talk to him. John Gottman says that women tend to criticize or be more critical than men. According to the, the, the stats that he has. Right? You criticize him in front of his friends. You emasculate him. This is a great way to begin that journey, like I said, down that road of divorce. The second one, and they happen to be, they happen to be four C's. It's crazy. They happen to be four C's. The second one is contempt. To belittle or control. You ever see those, like, those court cases? If you continue what you're doing, I'm going to find you in contempt of this court. That's crazy. Well, the judge says that. So contempt is just that. You're trying to control. You know, um, um, you're, belittle, you're belittling. You ch check out this phrase. You make me sick whenever I see you. Whenever, whenever I see you, you make me sick. You make me sick. That's a, that's a, that's a form of contempt. Have anyone ever heard that? I, they told me that I made them sick. Shelly's the, well, yeah, you t I, think, I think you told me once or twice that I make you sick. I don't know. I might be wrong. I might be, might be another relationship. I don't know. Check, 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 check with me later on that. I know I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm going to put myself, we're going to put all of us, all of us here, all of us here that are married or thinking of getting married, these are some of the things that we need to look at. Who wants to get better in their relationship? So here we go. What did I ever see in you? What did I ever see in you? You don't know how hard it is to be with you. This is like crazy. <laughs> You're such a loser. When you do this, you totally... Totally demean and defeat him. And I say that that's the other one. Those first two seasons, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't apologize because, again, again, John Gottman. You should say, say John, John. Gottman. Gottman. This guy. This is his research. I'm just using it. But it's true. It's true. You demean and defeat him. And those first two women tend to use them more. Now I'm going to speak to the men. Defensiveness. You know, when, when, when um, Pastor Edwin sometimes preaches, you know when he says about that mental judo? I'm from the Shaolin Temple. <laughs> you know that? You know that? You know that? Um, you know Pai Mei? That he just, he fights without his hands? I'm that guy. I know how to defend myself. And I get defensive. You should see me. Of course I'm not angry. And, 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 and um, he also says that uh, men usually tend not to apologize. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go culturally too. Like in my father's house, and I don't know if there's any Puerto Ricans in here, 
or Spanish people or Latin people, but culturally, in my house, my father wouldn't say, okay, before we eat this rice and beans and um, whatever it is that we were going to eat, he didn't gather us around and say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I apologize for having to have spank you with that belt. That didn't happen in my house. In fact, he never apologized. I see some women with great experience looking at me like, Pedro, how did you know? Were you in my house? That's how it was. In fact, my father was the exact opposite. He told you what it was to be a man. And it was, you know, he defended his manhood. He defended what he did. He defended having four women. He defended having things. He pulled out. One time this guy came to him. He, was, he defended himself so much, like he had like a suit on. It wasn't, it wasn't a Caraco suit. It was just a, you know, a regular suit. But my father worked hard, and, and, and the guy had a feel-like suit and came to my father and said, hey, man, you don't even look at you, man. You got, you, you, you're this, look how you dress and stuff like that. And my father said like this. My father pulled a whole pack out. He said, listen, brother, when you got this, you can dress any way you want. Defending his manhood. Defending my manhood. Sometimes I do that. I have a posture against my wife. When she comes at me, I'm going to talk about me now, how I defend myself. I'll be like, that's not me, and I won't say anything, but I'll be like, I know she's not talking to me. Eso está chacho. Eso está, it's rolling off of me like oil. It's rolling off of me, and I get defensive. That's why when I've seen this, and it's visible in my life, I know you're laughing, but I won't be laughing if I continue this behavior. I won't be laughing if we continue this behavior. It's funny, it's funny, and I know we get this jest and these things because some of us, that's identification laughter. I forgot where I was. <laughs> Recovery house of worship. The, the fourth one is stonewalling. That's another one that's attributed to men. This is another one that I have too. Baby, you know what? I really need to talk to, talk to you about some things that have been happening with you. And there goes Sprewell. He scores again. I'm focused on that. That's my way of stonewalling. I don't, just don't engore. I'm watching something. And as she continues, I put like, the volume up. I used to do that. And she says, yeah. You continue that. And I continue. Got to see these things in our lives if we want to continue to get better. And I've been married 11 years, you know, and, and then sometimes these things just continue to just like pop up and stuff like that. And I'm like, are they prevalent in your lives? Do you see some of these characteristics, some of these, some of these attributes that are not, that are not, that are, that'll lead towards that curse word? I'm going to say it again, divorce. We don't like to use that word in this because we try to take every recourse in Jesus Christ, you know, body. And there's been marriages that have come and told me, listen, like shake and bake type of stuff. Maybe some of this stuff was prevalent that we didn't know about. But now we have this information. Now we have this, you know, this John Gottman. Again, he brought this information and he did this research and, he, and he's counseled, you know, several couples. Several couples. And he says if they practice this and this is prevalent in their lives, that's where they go. They go to try to get married again. Yeah, they get divorced and they be like, you know, it was the other person. I'm going to put them to the side and now I'm, yeah, she goes, that's who, there goes my soulmate. And they get married, but then they bring these four attributes into there. And then they get divorced again. And then they just keep on and keep on. Oh, we keep on. 
This is my first marriage. Hopefully, in the name of Jesus Christ, it'll be my last marriage. I don't want to. That's it. This is, this is it. This is it. This is my wife. You know, I love her. And she loves me. Because she told me this morning. <laughs> we're going to take a look at how to fight um, for the glory of God and the good of our relationship. That's what we're here for. For the good of our relationship. There's tussles and there's battles here, man. Listen, man. You know where we are, right? We're in Recovery House of Worship. I love this church. I love this church. I love the leadership of this church. I like the way they take a look at marriage and just don't take a look at the surface issues. You know, there's been some marriages that have cried in there. And I say in there, in that office, or wherever it is. And there's some new marriages that I hope to see flourish, but with experience. And there's some marriages that have gone through. Dare I say, I don't even, they don't even have to tell me. But they've endured and persevered through Jesus Christ. Endured and persevered, not give up. I want to say this before I continue. Jesus identifies us as, as, uh, as the bride, right? And he's the groom. Just think of this. Imagine if he said, you know, I'm not going it that way. Forget that chick, man. I'm not doing that. What if he, what if he, what if he gave up? What if he said, I don't, forget about divorce. I don't even want to go. I don't even want to court you. I'm not going to do it. He didn't. He married us. And the Bible, there's a part of the Bible that says that even though we're unfaithful, he continues to remain faithful. Even through infidelity. Catch that one on the way out. Even through infidelity. I'll say it again. But first, we're going, to start, we're going to stand for this reading of God's word. We're going to stand, we're going to read God's word, and then we're going to continue. We're going to stand because that's just a regular, that, that's, that's, you know, how many know that God is awesome? And we stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read it on the count of three. Therefore, each of you, sh you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let sin go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit to those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the reading of God's word. In this letter, Paul is, is talking to the Ephesians and he's encouraging them to take a look at, 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 at and take action against their sin. I don't know if you looked at that last part, but it said, um, rid yourselves of all bitterness. That's the first one. 
Because he knows if you don't have... I want to talk about the word repentance first. Before I get into that. If you don't have repentance and forgiveness, that's what this is about. Because when we come together in that seat, and, and again, I'm going to go to the married couples, and if you're single or whatever, any relationship you're in, you need to repent, and someone's going to need to forgive. Right? Hold that. Someone's going to need to repent. In other words, repent is just this. To change, say this word for me. Meta. Noia. Mind change. Mind change. Change your mind. Mind change. But not change your mind like, not, I'm not going to have the Big Mac, I'm going to have a Whopper. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a, a complete turnaround. A complete turnaround. To not do it, and, and, and some of us that are in those 12-step fellowships, right? What's the best way to make amends? Change behavior for some. And this change behavior, but not only it's not behavioral, it's not a moral deficiency that we have. It's something that's deep in our soul. Because we could be good for goodness sake. And I know I, I'm going to talk about some steps, but the steps have, you know, it has scripture in it. That are going to help us to, to take a look at how to repent. So repentance is just that, a mind change. So repentance and forgiveness. Listen, to forgive someone, the other person, in order for you to forgive someone, the other person doesn't need to repent. I wanted to say that. I know I spoke of repentance and, uh, and forgiveness. But in order to forgive someone, the other person doesn't need to repent. You can forgive them. And they don't need to repent. Because some people will never repent. In other words, some people will never change their mind. And when they don't change their mind, you'll see that the behavior still hasn't changed. Amen. So Paul is talking to them. He's telling them to take action and take a look at their sin. We need, the first thing that we need to do is recognize the sin. You know, I don't know what it is. I know that... Um, We've been in a series, and everything that we do, we're, 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 we're focusing. It's, it's, it's an idolatry. We just sang a song, Here I Am to Worship. Well, if you're not worshiping Jesus, who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? They used to say, like, right? And I'm going to talk about bank accounts. We're going to talk about some financial endeavors later on. But I'm going to talk about, <laughs> I'm going to talk about you want to know where you spend your money? Take a look at your bank account. Jesus says it greater. You want to know where your heart is? Look where you put your treasure. You want to know what you worship? Check out the idol. Which one is it? Comfort? Maybe you want to be comforted. Maybe it's significance. You want people, you know, to approve you. Well, that's another one, approval. But significance, approval, comfort. Maybe it's control. But those are some idols. And I want us to look at that. Like when we're repenting, we're turning away. And, and usually, more often times than not, we're turning away from an idol. We need to recognize that sin or that idol. John, 1 John 1.16 says this. If we say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. All of us are sinners. All of us sin and have a sin nature inside of us that are going to continue to do that. But recognizing that. So the first part is to recognize that sin. 
we talk about metanoia and stuff like that and the mind change, we need to repent of that sin. Repent to change. To, to, to Listen, take a look at it. I know which one mine is. Comfort. So if it's comfort, how do I, how do I, the how-to. I don't want to just come here. That's why we're going to have this conversation. And I'm on the chopping block, by the way, when we sit down here. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not going to be some Gucci stuff. The Gucci stuff Mark Driscoll has. We have uh, some real deal stuff that's going to happen in a little while. And I just want to talk about the way I've failed and how I can do to get better and some successes as well. So we need to repent of that sin. Repent just to change. Um, I want to put up that, that repentance, if we can put it up there, because there's three C's and what we, we, there's three ways, there's three C's. We talked about there was two C's and two D's in the, or D and S in the other one. But there's three C's that we need to, um, that I want to look at And the first one for repentance, if we want to repent, the first thing we need to do, and I just mentioned it, confession. Confession. So write this down. Confession and confession is this. I know we say, hey, sometimes confession, we think of, a, of an open proclamation of our faith. We're going to confess. Right here, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the confession of sins. The confession of sins, confessing sin to one another, an acknowledgement of sin to God and to our spouse or to the other person that we have a relationship with, right? An acknowledgement of sin to God saying, God, I know what I did. My wife is great at this. She says, you know what I like to do? I'm sorry. What happened? What did you say? I said I was sorry. Now, my wife is like Dick Tracy. My wife is like, so let's take a look at what you're sorry about. Let's go back to the scene of the crime. Oh, I see your fingerprints right here. Let me dust this off. What are you sorry for? Or maybe you're sorry you got caught. Worldly sorrow. That's not what I'm talking about. Though you can turn it into repentance and turn it into godly sorrow. But she asked me the question, Pedro, Pedrito, what are you sorry for? And I have to dig and I look at what am I sorry for? Well, I, 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 um, I infringed against you. I didn't allow you to go to Sephora, and so for that I apologize and am deeply saddened by that. Tax time is coming. No. <laughs> but you get my point, right? No, and it's sometimes deeper like that. Sometimes it, 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 it's, I offended you, and my sin is this. You know what I do? Put myself out there. You know what I do? I make decisions, great ones, that you say, Pedro, that was awesome, but I didn't consult with my wife. I just seen Shannon cringe. I didn't consult with my wife first, and that's a definite. Those married couples, you're going to make a decision, call the team in. Call the team in before you make those decisions, especially if they're ones, even if they're going to be great ones. I'm premature, and sometimes I jump the gun. The first one was confession. The second one is, is contrition. And I know that word is like contrition, Pedro. Yeah, contrition. The first time I ever heard that word was in Catholic school. Pedro, you need to perform an act of contrition. I was like, okay, Sister Mary Rosita, what's that? <laughs> well, 
Yeah, that's what I went. I went that's the first time I heard it. It's, 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 it's when you're contrite, and that's the word I want to use, contrite. I remember when I first came here and I was here, um, a young lady told me, um, I, I can't wait to see you at the altar, or the stage in this case, weeping, crying. But not crying from your eyes. I want you to cry from your soul. Crushed, crippled. Well, she wanted me to be broken. Contrite, contrition. Before the eyes of God. That's what he wants us to be. And the third one we have there is change. 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 If nothing changes, nothing changes. Change, but not just a change. It means to alter. How can you alter that? To invite Jesus. Invite Jesus, because he's the one who gives us the change, and he gives us that atonement. We're the bride. He's the groom. There's another one that I want to look at. That was repentance. How many of us are understanding what's happening and how to, and how to repent with those three C's? Are we getting that? Now we're going to move into forgiveness. To forgiveness. So. Forgiveness from who? What do, who do we need forgiveness from? From God. That's right. We need forgiveness from God. That's the first thing we need to do is get forgiveness from God. Who's the, who's the second person that we need to get forgiveness from? Our spouse. So if we were on family feud, forgiveness from who? If it was the two forgiveness, it would be number one would be God, and number two would be our spouse. So forgiveness from repentance, it says repentance is confession. The number two is contrition. Number three is change. And then we have forgiveness from God and forgiveness from our spouse. How do we get forgiveness from God? We gotta, to get forgiveness from God, we've got to actually speak to him too, though. We've got to have a conversation. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what happens. I don't know if it's just like some, some ambiance type thing that you don't want to just like, yeah. In the beginning, I used to be like, I'm talking to the air. Who am I speaking to? Well, it's a real, listen, the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ has sent the Holy Spirit to convict you, to convict me of my sin. So he's the one we're going to be speaking to. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us right now. So he's the one we're speaking to so we can get that change. We can get that forgiveness from him. Does, do you feel convicted when you're doing something, when you're out of pocket, when you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing? Is there something inside of you that gives you that little nudge? Oh, I forgot to say no nudging. I, I, anyway, I, I played it safe. I told him, hold hands. So I'm, I'm rocking. Is there, is, there, is there a conviction that comes of you? Or do you just freely continue to do it? And there's no repercussion, and there's no conviction, and there's nothing inside of you. There's no guilt and shame that comes. Because the Holy Spirit is working with us. If you're with, if you're with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is operating inside of us. If we don't do these two things, if we don't repent and forgive, then reconciliation can't come. 
If we don't repent and forgive, reconcile, we could have one without the other, and we can't have that reconciliation because it takes two. In this case, it takes three to have that reconciliation. Jesus needs to be in the middle of that reconciliation. But if we don't do those two, you know what we get? We get bitterness. Put Ephesians 31 back up there, please. I'm looking at Ephesians 31. Okay, leave that one up there. That's fine. That's fine. Hebrews 12, 15. That was the second one I was going to go to, but that's okay. I'm going to read it. See to it. All right, we're going back. All right. You're going to trick me? Okay. <laughs> get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Notice he says to get rid. That's the first one there, the bitterness. That's the first one we got to do, that bitterness, man. That bitterness will keep us like, I've been, who's been bitter? I've been bitter. I've been bitter. Listen, here goes one. We don't want our marriages to get bitter. We want our marriages to get better. Okay? I've been bitter before. Get rid of all this. Can you put the Hebrews up there? See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now this guy, which many theologians, 99% say it's Paul that wrote it. Notice that he says there's a root. How many of us have tried to put weed, pull weeds out? I know there's a couple that, that mentioned they had landscaping things. How hard is that? Try pulling an oak tree out. Those roots of bitterness, you know what they do? They grow, they, 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 they want to cut them down because you know what they do? They destroy the concrete and they, and they begin to destroy and alter the houses. They go so deep. And you know what happens? They don't stop growing. They continue to grow and grow and grow. You know, they say, ¿Qué tú estás comiendo? Limones. <laughs> what are you eating? Like, you know, lemons? Bitter like that. Like your face would be like that. But imagine that. But that's inside. Bitter. I hope this is being helpful to you guys. This has been so helpful and so convicting. This whole series has been so convicting to me. So we talked about confessing our sins. We talked about if we don't have that forgiveness and the, and, the, and the confession that comes along with repentance, that that's what it's going to bring. It's going to bring a bitterness into our heart. But if we have repentance and forgiveness, what's it bring? It brings that reconciliation. And that's what we're young. We want to be reconciled. I love that word, reconciled. When I hear that, I'm happy. When I hear the other words like anger and bitterness, I get sad. But when I hear reconciled, we're reconciled. When my wife comes to me and says, you know what? You were, you were dastardly again. You were, you, were, you, were, you were a bad boy. And it's not, I didn't, I didn't break the, oh man, I didn't break the, I didn't tell my wife rule. Right? That's what Pastor Edwin, he smacks himself. <laughs> we didn't break the, I didn't tell my wife rule. We didn't break that rule. What was it? It was something deeper. That's what I wanted to do. It was a root. I want to get the root. Who wants to get the root? We got to dig. The only one who can dig is Jesus. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. 
this type of machinery that's needed to dig. This guy needs, you know those construction sites that they'll be like, no, the whole block is cut off for a brother. Or, or getting oil. How, how deep do you have to dig there? But I'm in a process. I'm in the process of, um, of that metanoia. First time I heard that word, it was Keith Bigger told me that word. Metanoia. I'm going to ask my wife before I get into these, um, to the steps. You know what? Put the steps up first because I'm going to have a conversation with my wife in a minute. She's going to come up and we're going to do a little interview. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to uh, put up the four steps of taking out the trash. You don't have that one? Okay, okay. So I'm going to read them to you, and it's right here, and it's from, again, this was not Pedro. Pedro didn't think of this. I'm not, I'm not that. Maybe one day I'll get something that I, that I say, and then they'll be like, no, we already got that. We patented it. But these are four steps to taking out the trash, according to Sinclair Ferguson. So the first one is this. Learn to admit sin for what it really is. And we right, we've been speaking about that. Missing what word it is. What is it? What is it? Is it control? Is it approval? You know, identifying. If we identify it, then we can know what we're what we're doing. We can't, in other words, they say this, this is great. I'm glad I'm a recovery house of worship. I love this place. I love that. This is me. We can't help you if we don't know who you are, what's ailing you. And Jesus is like this. Look, just tell me, man. Just tell me. I'm waiting. I know, I know. Just you can say it. Say it. He wants us to say it. He wants us to verbally confess. See, number two is see sin for what, see for, see for what your sin really is in God's presence. And it has Colossians 3, 6. I'm going to get my Bible. It's good to have one of these, by the way. Yeah. It's good to have a Bible because... You never know when you're going to need it. We do a class and stuff like that, and we want to memorize. I wish I, I'm going to, re, I'm going to memorize, and guys, hold me accountable. I'm going to memorize Colossians 3.6. All right, Andres? Andres, you call me, you say, Pedro, you got it? Say it to me. Yeah. Listen, that's what we want to do. We want to hold each other accountable here in this church. And so as my wife is making her way... Up, you can start getting up here, yeah, because, yep, 3-6. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I wanted to do that because. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. There's consequences too now. Yeah, I know I brought tension in the beginning. They got real quiet in here. I know when there's tension in here. You could cut it with a knife, boy. But... The anger of God is coming because of these sins. Because of these sins. They're different. I'm going to say three. Recognize the inconsistency of your sin. And if you're writing down, that's found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. You can read it. And putting sin to death. Colossians 3, 5. In fact, I'm going to go back to that when we finish this interview. But I'm just going to put this here. I'm going to roll this away. This is for you. How are you doing, babe? Hi. I'm good. All I'm going to tell you is one thing. Be nice. <laughs> good. 
Let me take a drink of water. Would you like some water? No? Yeah, I'll open it for you just in case. Okay. The first one, it's going to go up on the screen. I think we have it, right? Yep. How do I bring up my sin without starting a fight? Now, this is one thing, right? And this is for the married couples because, I don't know, and you could do this with your friend too. Maybe you've infringed against your friend and you say, hey, man, let's have a conversation. Or, hey, hey, girl, let's have a conversation. Let's go for coffee. If you're like women, you're gonna, it's going to be like four hours. If you're men, it's going to be shoulder to shoulder, watching a UFC fight. Hey, man, what's happened? And, and, you know, like that. But now for married couples, it's different. There's kids. You just got home from work. Um, it's not the right time. So what, what, what I would like for all of us to do, when this question comes up, and we're going to ask a question like this, we need a safe environment. We need an environment where we can come sit down. You know, maybe there's coffee there and say, okay, this is what happened. Yeah. So I'm going to answer first um, how my husband brings up his sin without starting a fight. Um, I don't know his repentance process before he brings it up, but usually when Pedro brings up a sin, he brings it up in company. So there are other people around. So of course, there's some grace on my end because I'm not really like apt to argue in public. So if we have like our close friends around or we have other married couples, he'll bring up something that we didn't really talk about, like. I might have mentioned it as an offense, but we didn't really discuss it. And then he'll bring it up, and I'm thinking, oh, so, you know, you kind of understood where I was coming from. But then there are other people around, so I think he uses it as like a safety net, like, okay, good. <laughs> you know, safe. Other people have witnesses, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know how it's coming from that other end, so I want to. So the repentance part, that's his to answer. Um, for me, I'm bringing up something that happened recently as an example, how I bring up my sin without starting a fight. Um, I recently, I, um, I was at a certain store, and it wasn't Sephora, but thank I did not thank have, God. I didn't have any money with me. <laughs> I didn't have any money with me, and I still continue shopping because I was like, well, I have. Google Pay on my phone, I have um, Android Pay, so this store better take one of those or whatever. So I get to the counter and find out they don't, they take Samsung Pay. So I try to download the app so I can put my husband's credit card numbers on it so I can still buy the stuff. So I found out I couldn't do that, it needed to be verified. So that, mean I, that means that I had to tell him. Now I should have told him beforehand, but I didn't. But, so I ended up having to call him so he could verify with the bank. So while I'm telling him, and I'm like, babe, you have to hurry because, you know, I'm online, this, that, and the other. So I lied to him. I was just like, you know, I have to buy all this stuff for the kids. I have to buy stuff for the girls and for our son. You know, my stuff's on his son. I'm like, I got to get this package. So I'm throwing all these people in, and it was just for me. It was not. <laughs> but I felt like if I said that, he would just be ready without giving me a lecture because that would have come, would have came. So he's like verifying over the phone. The verification didn't work, so they closed down his account. So I was just like, oh my gosh. So anyway, he, I knew he was really upset. He said he's just going to go to the bank. And I didn't want to tell him. The, like, so I said, I have to go to him in person. So I went to the bank and then explained it. Because I knew if I said it over the phone, it would have just been a long lecture from him. And then he, 
I would like we would have hung up and I would have sat there wondering like how upset he was and time would have just passed and I would have felt really guilty. So that was what um, I went through. But usually um, when I bring up my sin or his sin, I have to go to God and like when I'm running to God and you know, I go in victim mode a lot of the time. But if I'm going and I'm crying to God, I'm also asking to deal with my husband gracefully. Because a lot of times I'm ready for the daggers, I'm ready to throw him, I'm ready to, you know, just go in guns blazing about how he did this, he did this, he did this, and I have no part in it. So it's just like I need God to like show me and convict me um, of where I am. And you know, the, the conviction comes with me needing the grace, because I know that Christ is graceful for me, graceful with me when I'm not like putting him first and I'm putting other things first, so. Let me, um, oh, I don't need that. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to, now, I bring other people involved, and you'd be like, Pedro, that's, that's so strategic. I'm going to do the same thing. No, let's not do that. You know why I do it? Because my idol is comfort. And I don't want to go through the wrestle. You understand what I'm saying? Because I know I'm going to receive that. You know, this is another thing. When you're going to do that, if you're going to bring up your sin, of course there's going to be some. You're going to have to receive that tension because it's a tense-filled thing. Sin is this. We're bringing garbage out. So when we bring garbage out, of course it's going to cause some stir. But I, I lean on my idol. But I could say, I could say oh, no, I, I did this because of this reason. No, the, real, the root was comfort. I wanted the comfort of everyone around me and be like, oh, she won't punch me in my face in front of these guys. I see that. At least I think she won't. But that's why I lean on, lean on comfort. I need, to, I need to, in other words, that's something that I know in my life, I, I, I shouldn't do that. What I should do is just bring it to you and say, you know, by the way, um, that financial thing, I wasn't that upset, but that was dastardly of you, by the way. But I forgive you, though. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. But my thing was comfort. What, what idol, what idol rid its ugly head when you did what you did? Control. Control. You see what I'm saying, guys? So there's like, it's like we could talk about the little sins, but really there's some idols that we lean on when, when, in moments like that. Okay, this one is you. Yeah. What should I do as a wife when my husband keeps saying sorry but never shows any visible change? Um... So I'll say what I should do as a wife and what I do do as a wife. Um, so Thank you. <laughs> what I should do as a wife, of course, is run to Jesus. Um, and really seek him for his guidance. Um, a lot of the times, it happens simultaneously while I'm running to... Pastor Edwin, I'm telling on Pedro, like, I'm telling Pastor Edwin, I share with, like, my close friend, married couples, but, um, a lot of times I feel like when there's a conflict and I feel like, you know, my husband will say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it still happens, I'm just like, I need a third party, like, it's not, this is just going to be a back and forth thing, it's going to still happen, we're getting, no, and it's just a cycle, so usually when I bring in a third party, and I usually go to Pastor Edwin, he's, you know, he's mentored us, um, he gave us premarital counseling. Um, he knew us before we were married to each other, and he's you know he married us. So, um, so I go to him and 
that has been very helpful because, you know, like, like any ministry, marriage is a ministry and it's not something you do alone. And it's, you know, I'm really grateful to have like other married couples that are, that are close to us that walk alongside us in this journey. And it's good to be able to have people that will hold us accountable and like will check in with us and people that we could be honest with. And it's good to have our pastors there that are also like holding us accountable, holding him accountable. So that's definitely what I do do. Um, but definitely running to Jesus and just allowing him to guide me and you know bring me the comfort I need. I definitely need to practice more, but a lot of times with my control issues, I just want things to get dealt with and addressed and Amen. stuff like that. Amen. Well, well, one of the things, especially with that, what should I do as a wife when my husband keeps saying sorry but never shows any visible? Like one of the things that I want to do if, 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 if that's happening, like invite other married couples in too. Sometimes a guy would, would be able to say, hey, Pedro, you know what? I think you should, you know, you, you, you got to like, what, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Why are you, what, what, what's happening? Why are you going down this road? I think sometimes a man, when, when a man comes in, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when a man comes in and they're able to say, hey, well, this is what I do when I experience that. You got to do this. It's great to call other, like what she just mentioned, let other couples and be around other married couples. And other married couples, when we're around, when keeping it real goes wrong, you know why? Because we're, listen, we're, listen, let's keep it real because, you know, it's rice and beans and, and, and chicharron de pollo. It's, it's real stuff. And if we keep it real, then we can address it. So I think going to other men, coming to me, and you going to other women, I think would be a better, you know, and doing what you said as well, but I think inviting other couples in to wrestle with that and grapple with sin is a great way to, um, to address that one as well. I'm going to take this last one. Okay? You don't mind. Now this one, it says, how do you forgive when someone is actively pursuing to hurt you? I want to switch gears a little bit here. Um, this is, this is um, like if it's a domestic violence situation, if it's an emotional abuse situation, you know, then, you know, um, why, by the way, you could forgive someone and incarcerate them. Yeah, because this is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgiving the person and then allowing the trust and that bond that you had priorly in. No. Remember we said, don't cut my arm off and then come at me standing next to me with a knife? That's not happening. So if that's you, and if that's you and that's happening with you, listen, you need to, like what she mentioned, you need to go to another authority. And sometimes that authority is the authorities. <laughs> you call 911. And then call this church or another church that you may feel comfortable with and let a party come in because that's not, that's not what we want to do. If someone is, if you're forgiving someone when they actively pursue and hurt you, and sometimes what happens is there's a pattern that happens in the life of that person that they need to be told. Listen, you, you become, and sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes from, from over here, that's been happening and that's what they've seen. And so they think that that's normal, and we need to, you know, if you're a woman, if you're a man here, a leader in this church, or a Christian in this church, and you see that happening to someone, you let them know, you say, no, that is not right. You need to come under Jesus. That person needs to come under Jesus in Rikers Island or in Clinton de la Mora, wherever that is, yeah. Because we need to, and we need to address those type of things like that. If it's an emotional abuse, then coming under the authority, the spiritual authority. You know, because emotional abuse, that's domestic violence too now. So, so, so I just wanted to share that 
And I know that's, that's a tense topic, but it, it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Thank you very much. Before you guys want to share, um, and bring this back. Let me leave that there, man. Bringing that back, we gotta do that. I want to throw myself at the feet of Jesus. I want to confess my sin of comfort, sometimes control. Who wants to do that? Who wants to come to the feet of Jesus? Just bow our heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for, 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 for bringing repentance and forgiveness. And if you need to bring repentance and forgiveness to the lives of all of us, sometimes it's a daily process. Sometimes it comes weekly. Father God, I want to speak to those people that are single and maybe they thought, man, I don't need to do this. Yes. We all need to repent and forgive. We all are in some type of relationship. Look at those that are thinking hard and, 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 and pondering, getting a spouse and getting married. I ask that you bring this forgiveness and this repentance into their lives as well so that they can see reconciliation. Look at those of us who have been married last month or two months ago, or those of us who have been married for 11, 10, and 24 years, Father, and more than that. I ask that you continue to bring repentance and forgiveness into their lives. Father God, look at the idols that we lean on. Look at those idols that have, that have, that have grown roots in our souls, Lord, I ask that you uproot them with your love, Jesus. Father God, we are the bride and you are the groom. We ask that you bring that reconciliation in our lives. Help us to forgive and help us to repent. In your son Jesus' name, amen.